Turn in your Bibles to uh, Proverbs chapter 29. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there is no vision, the people perish. I titled this message this morning just simply vision. Uh, What I want to talk to you about this morning though is... is What is he talking about here, this vision? What, What is the point behind this and... And how is it important to us? Well, I believe what when he says vision, he's talking about spiritual guidance and direction. He's talking about a clear view of what God's will is. And, you know, since he says people, he's talking about more than one person. And so I don't really want to talk a whole lot today about what God's will is, particularly just for your life. I'm talking more of a collective thing here as, as in the church body. But... Vision is the driving force behind a church growing and moving. If there is no vision, just as this Scripture says, the people perish. Because there's no life, there's nothing driving you, there's nothing to look forward to. You know, most of us are are kind of goal-oriented. Just like I was talking to Sister Diane a while ago, how I hate a job where I can't see that I've accomplished something. I've got to see that I've made progress in whatever it is I'm doing. If if I don't see that I've gotten any further than from where I began, then I kind of start feeling like, what's the point and keep going? If I don't see where it is I'm going and that I'm getting closer to it, I don't feel like I've done anything. So I think it's important that a church, not only a church, the individual also, but mainly what I want to talk about is a church today. It's important that a church not only has a vision, but that they remember what the vision is. You know, sometimes as we go along in our life, we tend to forget what it was God called us to do. We tend to forget what our purpose was, the reason why He put us where He put us. If there's no vision, you'll become stagnant and stop growing. In order for the vision to be of any benefit, there must be people in the positions that are needed to accomplish the vision. Now, there's probably a reason why I'm going to preach this today because of the people that are here. But you know, you see a lot of gaps here today. And... I'm not going to come down on anybody. I'm sure some of them have totally legitimate reasons for not being here. Some of them may not. But the point is, is that there are some people that are called to do certain things for God. But, and this is a big but, in the midst of them being called and them finding that calling, and them accepting and surrendering to that calling, and submitting themselves to God, there's a gap. What what I want you to hear this morning is that in order for the vision of the church to move forward, while 
those people are not in place, there has to be some gap fillers. There has to be some people that stand up and say, look, this ain't my calling. This ain't what, what God necessarily put me here to do, but it needs to be done. Now, I think most of the people here today, and like I said, that's probably a reason why I preach it, you're those kind of people. You're the kind of people that will stand up and say, look, this ain't necessarily my responsibility. I'm not necessarily a, a great song leader or teacher or, or whatever, but because I see a gap, and there ain't somebody else here that's called to do it, I'll go ahead and fill that gap until they're here. Now, that's the kind of people that are your core group of believers in the church. That's the kind of people you can depend on. And, and I thank y'all for being those kind of people. You know, it's, it's, it's tough, just like Brother Jack was saying this morning, when you get up here and you preach and, and you, don't, you look out and you see the same people that's here every time. You see some people show up and they go away. But I know y'all will hear what I'm saying. I know you're you're not here because you feel an obligation like I got to be there on Sunday. You're here because you want to be here. So <clears throat> you're the kind of people that I really want to share the vision of the church with. The other people will hear it, but the the important thing is that there's somebody that grabs a hold of that vision. You know, just hearing it is not enough. You've got to get on board and say, yeah, I want to be a part of that. Because I, I understand what it is God's wanting to do and, and I see that it's important and that there's a need there and I want to be involved. Do you understand that that is what is important? It's not, it's not just that God calls you to do something. It's that you say, look, I'm willing to do whatever. When you get to the point where you say, God, I don't care what it is. Whatever you want me to do, just just show me and I'll do it. That's the kind of attitude. I guarantee you there is not one employer that you can find that if you put somebody in front of them with that kind of attitude that says, I don't care, just whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. That person will go somewhere in that company because they have that kind of attitude. It's the same way in God's kingdom. Look, I hadn't always been a pastor. I hadn't even always been a preacher. God called me to be a preacher. I think I was 17. But you know, I spent a lot of time doing other stuff. But you know, I came to a point that the desire to please God outweighed me wanting to do other things. And it got to the point, look, God, I said, I don't care what it is you want me to do, I'll do it. Just, just I want to do whatever you want me to. And you know that, that when you have that kind of attitude and you submit yourself to God and you humble yourself before Him because you realize He's the ultimate authority, He's the one that, that can raise up people and put them down. When you submit yourself to God, do you know He'll bless you for that? Do you know that He will begin to, to put people in your life? Do you know that He'll begin to make a way where there's no way? 
I want y'all to hear today that that gap fillers are important to a church. Because I don't care. You know, I heard Brother Jack say one time that 10% of the people do 90% of the work 100% of the time. That's going to be true. doesn't matter where you go. There's always going to be a large majority that's just there on Sunday morning. And, and when it's time for the, the closing prayer, they're probably the first ones to the door. You know, I can't do nothing about that. All I can do is get up here and, and preach whatever it is God has laid on my heart and hope that somehow it gets through to them. That's not my job. But gap fillers, that 10%, the people that take up all the slack for everybody else, is what what keeps the church going. So there ain't nothing wrong with being a gap filler. Sometimes you may have to fill a couple gaps. Some of us are bigger than others. We can do that. But, but you know, there ain't nothing wrong with being a gap filler. There ain't nothing wrong with with having to clean toilets and vacuum the floor and, uh, you know, having to teach little kids. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes some of us could use a little bit of uh, humbling work like that. You don't have to be called to a ministry to be a gap filler. You know, that's important. Why is that? You know, there's a lot of people that are going to sit around and wait until God calls them to do something. You know, like I said, God called me to preach when I was 17, but do you know I didn't really even get really into preaching until I decided that was something I wanted to do? Not because I wanted to preach, but because I wanted to be pleasing to God. So, you know... God may have called me, but it took some effort on my part to to submit to Him and, and be willing to do it. Amen. You know, so there's a lot of people that's going to sit there until God says, okay, I want you to do this. That's not the way it works all the time. Not all of us are called to a calling like that. Some of us are just, we're just workers. There ain't nothing wrong with being a worker. But the whole point is, is that are you going to make yourself available for God or not? Now there's some people that need to hear this that ain't here today. I'm hoping they'll hear it later on. But look, are you going to make yourself available or not? You can't say, God, I want to do what you want me to do, but, but right now i got to go do this and I'll be back in a little bit. You can't leave a note on the proverbial spiritual door saying, I'll be back in an hour. Look, you're either available or you're not. You're either going to say, God, I'm going to submit to you or I've got my own things to do. You can't do both. So, you know, people need to prioritize their life. There comes a point where you've got to say, I've spent enough of my weekends doing what I want to do. Sunday is God's day. Do y'all know that... Uh, and look, I'm not looking down. Anybody has to work on Sunday. Sometimes you just got to work. I ain't. But look, I try my best 
to not do any work on Sunday. And it's not because I'm lazy and I don't want to work. Look, I come up with stuff all the time that I think, you know, I could just get out there and do this on Sunday and it wouldn't be no big deal. But, in fact, I'll just go ahead and tell you all, last week, uh, Mike Cleghorn, that sits on the back row back there, he gave me some wheels and tires for my car. Just gave them to me. I didn't need no new wheels or tires. Mine were fine. But the ones he gave me look nice. They look a lot nicer than mine. And I, Man, I appreciate it. He just gave them to me. Well, you know, he dropped them off Sunday after church. And I thought long and hard about getting out there Sunday afternoon and putting those wheels on because I wanted them on so bad. But you know, that's a lot like work. And I just decided, look, I can avoid that. It's not a necessity for me to get out there. But today is the Lord's day. If I get out there and do that, I'm going to get all hot and sweaty. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be wore out. And when, when it's time for church, I'm not going to be rested up. I'm not going to feel like as much getting in there and doing what God would have me to do. So I'm going to put that off until the week. I can do it when I get home from work. It ain't no problem. But you know, there's a lot of people that when they get home, they're, they're ready to go find something to do. There ain't nothing wrong with enjoying Sunday. But you know, if you've got to cut your grass, you can probably wait till you got home from work Monday or Tuesday or whenever. I'm not trying to down anybody today, but listen, the Sunday is God's day. He is the one that should take priority. Now, if you can do that kind of stuff and it don't get in the way between you and God, that's fine. You do what you think you need to do. But listen, today is God's day. Everything I do today is going to be, is going to be because of Him. It's not going to be because of me. Now, what in the world does that have to do with vision? Not much, but it needs to be said. It's necessary for those gaps to be filled so that a church can continue to pursue the vision. <clears throat> Notice that that Scripture says the people perish. The people are the ones that suffer when there's no vision. It's not God. It's not the one that supplied the vision. It's, it's the people. When... When nobody is there to share the vision, to remember the vision, to remember what the purpose in being here is, what our goal is, it's the people that suffer. So, you know, it's kind of like it's our responsibility to make sure that we're not suffering. It's kind of like we are the ones. Look, it's not God's responsibility to remind us of what He's already told us. We have got to remember the vision. And you know, God has kind of given me some vision. But I have to continuously remind myself of it. Because, you know, with God, everything doesn't happen day after day. Sometimes you've got to wait a while. So it, my feeble mind tends to forget. And I have to continue to remind myself what it is God has promised and what it is God wants to do. I said earlier that 
vision was spiritual guidance and direction. I want to share another scripture with you in Psalms 119. And verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Do y'all know that is a scripture that I have just really uh, stood on for a long time? I want you to really think about the words of that scripture. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows what's around me. And it is a light unto my path. It shows me what's down the road ahead. It keeps me on the path I'm on. keeps me from wandering off onto some other path. It shows me when there's trouble around me. Now I know this is all kind of symbolic. I don't want anybody to go trying to swat snakes with the Bible or something like that because it it probably will just make him mad, make him bite you. But listen, it's spiritual. This is... This is on the side of things that sometimes it's hard to understand. But listen, when you're seeking spiritual guidance, I want you to understand two things today. People are led by the Spirit, but how does the Spirit lead you? Through the Word. So you you need to be led by the Spirit, but the Word tells us over in John, I think it's 1 John chapter... Four, let me look and tell you for sure. First John chapter four, verse one says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, spirits whether they are of God. Now listen, y'all ever had somebody come and tell y'all that they think God would have you do this or that? Or you ever had somebody tell you that God's telling them to do something? And the minute they say it, there's something inside you that just says, mm, that ain't right. Because it don't bear witness with the Spirit that's within you. And, you know, just because you get a good feeling about something doesn't mean it's going to line up with the Word of God. That don't necessarily mean it's right. You've got to try the Spirit. Because it may not be the Spirit of God. So we need to be led by the Spirit. The Spirit will lead you, but if you ain't got the Word lighting your path, you won't know if that Spirit's leading you down the right path or not. If it's not the Spirit of God, it may venture off somewhere else. So listen, as as we get into the vision of this church and what the purpose is, we've got to stay focused on the Word. Because the Word is what shows you where you're at and where you're going. You know, that's, that's the key right there to that Scripture. It's a, light unto your, a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. shows you where you are and where you're going. You know, the other day I had one of them little GPS things that you can put in your car and you can put, tell it, I want to go here and it'll, it'll start telling you. And it shows a little arrow on there or a car or whatever you want it to look like where you are. And my little girl, my middle one, she's five years old, she looked at it and she said, where's all the other cars? 
And I said, well, it doesn't know where all the other cars are, Hannah. It just knows where we are. She said, well, we know where we are. Why do we need that? You know, you have to think about that for a minute and say, you know, she's got a good point. (laughs) So I just spent money on this thing for nothing to know where I'm at. And she already knew. So it's the same way with the Word of God, though. If, If you know what the Word says, the Word shows you where you are, and it'll show you where you're going. But you've got to be led by the Spirit to get there. You know, I don't know about y'all, that's just amazing to me. It's amazing how, how God uses all of those pieces in conjunction with one another. Everything just works together. It works together perfectly. You know, another thing I wrote down here is God never asked us to have blind faith. You know, you, you hear people all the time talk about taking a step of faith or whatever. But He never asked us to have blind faith. You know, He he mentioned having childlike faith. But I've never seen one of my kids just blindly trust me when I tell them something. If I tell them something that they know a little something about, they're going to say, wait a minute. They'll call me on it. Now, if they don't know, you know, sometimes they'll just trust me because they know who I am. But listen, blind faith is when you know better, but you just do it anyway. God never asked us to do that. So, when we're pursuing our our vision, like I said, we need to be led by the Spirit. We need to be, you know listening to the Word, what the Word says about it, that's not blind faith. That's, that's knowing what the Word says. And when, when somebody comes and tells you, I think you ought to do this, well, it better match up with the Word. It better match up with the Spirit that's within you. Listen, that's important. Because I'm not all that smart in a lot of areas. My, li- my wisdom is lacking in a lot of areas. I ain't but 33 years old. I sure don't claim to have more wisdom. I'm the youngest one in here today. Did y'all know that? I'm the youngest one here. So I don't claim to to have every answer. But I know somebody who does. And the Spirit of the eternal living God lives within me. So when somebody comes and says something that's contradictory to that Spirit that's in me, it, something well, bells and whistles ought to be going off somewhere. But if I ain't spending any time in prayer, I ain't spending no time in the Word. That spirit has a has a real small voice in my life. Then I want to make sure that that spirit that's guiding and directing me, number one, is the Spirit of God. Number two, that it's got a strong, loud voice. In my life. You know, the Word talks about God having a still, small voice. But listen, when you've put Him first in your life, and and you spend the, the kind of time in prayer and in the Word that you ought to, and you've got that one-on-one relationship with God that's strong, listen, that ought to be a loud voice. 
It ought to be something you can hear and that you'll know when, when somebody tells you something that ain't right, it ought to just immediately, the Spirit ought to rise up within you and say, no, that ain't right. That ain't right. Don't do that. Our faith ought to be based upon the Word of God and not upon a feeling. You know, there's a whole lot of people in this world that think they have the right religious belief or teaching. They think they're right. There's a whole lot of them. There's a whole lot that's wrong. So, when you try to base your belief upon some man, y'all, y'all don't listen to me. Look, don't trust Kevin Alfred. If what I'm saying don't line up with the Word, y'all need to go somewhere else. Go do something else. Don't listen to me. I'm telling you right now. Come tell me about it or something. Tell me I ain't right. We'll discuss it. Because I'm human. I'm going to make errors. I'm going to make mistakes. And it's not me that you're putting your faith in. It better not be. If you have, you. I feel sorry for y'all. I will let you down probably tomorrow. I'll let myself down plenty to know. But there's a whole lot of people that think they've got the answers. If it can't be backed by the Word, then they're wrong. Simple as that. You know, that's a big problem today is there's too much gray. There's not enough black and white. And You know, some things are right, some things are wrong. That's the way it is. I want to share with you all a little bit about the vision that God gave me for this church. Now, I don't claim to have ever seen a vision, so to speak. I'm using the word a little bit differently today, but you know, I don't know if, how much of this I've told you before, but God gave me a phrase called claim for the kingdom. And I think I told you some of this that that we're supposed to kind of claim areas for the kingdom of God. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about principalities and powers and and look Satan is pretty much ruling this world I'm not going to get into the semantics of whether he has a right to do that or not I'm just telling you how it is he's ruling this world you know when you have a majority that follow him instead of God that's just the way it is but there are there are principalities there are are areas that he just has control over. Kind of like boundaries. This is my land. And the vision that God shared with me about what this church was going to be doing was reclaiming that land. And I even thought about putting up little signs. You know these real estate signs that people go and put in their property to say this is for sale? Contact this number, whatever. I thought about just taking signs and it probably makes some people mad, but just putting signs everywhere that says claim for the kingdom. You know, I, I think there's a principle 
And when I find all the Scripture to back it up, I'll let you know. I ain't going to tell you this is what the Word says necessarily. But I think there is a principle that says we as Christians have a responsibility to intervene for others that can't. You know, there are some people that are in bondage to Satan. And just like if you watch any of these war movies where you got POWs and there's this one guy, Rambo or somebody that runs in and, and kills everybody and rescues these prisoners, takes them back. That, that's kind of the mentality I think we need to have as a church body uh, when we start dealing with people that aren't saved. Listen, they don't have a choice sometimes. Sometimes they are so far gone that they don't know which way is up. And they need somebody to show them a little light. They need somebody to take the fight to Satan because they can't. Do you understand that? When you're in a jail cell, there ain't a whole lot of fighting you can do with the people on the other side of the bars. When you're already captured. Now listen, there's some. they had to make a choice to get where they are. I'm not trying to say they're blameless. But sometimes people are in that situation and, and they would make a change if they could. But they need somebody to, to fight the fight for them. So that they then have an opportunity to choose again. So, I think what we need to do as a church is, is to begin to claim those areas. Listen, you can do this on your own. When you, when you encounter people, you can just, you can just say, uh-uh, Satan. He is claimed for the kingdom of God by the power in the name of Jesus. You can begin to bind Him. You can begin to fight Him on their behalf. Now, there's going to come a point where they got to choose, but in the meantime, you can do the fighting for them. What did we talk about a while ago? Gap fillers. You can bridge that gap. You can, you can open up that bridge for them to cross when they, get, when they have a chance. So that's part of it. I think that's going to be our calling. Listen, what God has showed me is that there's a whole lot of people in this area, mainly around Kennard, but you can expand it on out, I'm sure, that have kind of been forgotten about. You know, they probably even have a bad taste in their mouth about churches. Because there's so many churches that that kind of have you have this you have to have this elite status to be a part of. Either that, or you got to go and sit and keep your mouth shut because nobody wants to hear what you have to say because you're not anybody to them. You know that's not what church should be about. We all know that. So that that's the people that you know. Look. I hate to be around people that's drunk and and just smell terrible and acting foolish and I, I can't stand to be around them. But unfortunately, that's the people that need help. It's not the people that's pleasant to be around that that need us reaching out to them. I'm not. No, I'm, never mind. I'm not going to say it. I'll just keep my mouth shut. <clears throat> I'll just say this. There are a lot of things churches do 
to benefit those that don't need much benefit. There's a lot of ways churches reach out into the community to help people that aren't even in need of help. The Bible doesn't tell us about taking care of those that can take care of themselves. It tells us about looking out for widows and orphans and and people that just don't have anything. People that need somebody to reach down and, and give them a lift up. People that that don't know the way to go. Now, I'm not telling you to not ever witness to somebody that's got money. I'm, I'm trying to say the people that's already saved are not the ones we need to be looking for. Yes, we need workers in the church, but you know, God can send them. If they're being led by the Spirit of God, they don't need me to come tell them that this is where they need to come. So, our goal needs to be, as a church, reclaiming an area. Let me give you an example of this. There's a a building. It looks pretty raggedy now, on the way to Crockett. And it's been numerous different clubs. It was called once called the Western Swing. It was once called the Swinging Seven. Various different names, all the same purpose. But somebody, and you, I don't know, I don't know anything about these people. They now have another building, a little cowboy church down there. Somebody decided they was going to take that building and make a church out of it. Now, they're not still in that building, but listen. To me, that's what reclaiming things is about. It's about taking something that was once used for evil... And using it for good. Claiming it for the kingdom of God. You know, since those people left, there ain't been nothing else in that building. I don't know. There may be someday. All I'm trying to say is, somebody stood up for righteousness. Somebody filled in the gap when other people wouldn't or couldn't. And that's what our role as a church body ought to be. Looking for gaps that need to be filled. Looking for gaps that need to be bridged. You know, it's not just about this church building. There's a lot of people that might be here today if that gap was bridged. You know, a lot of these people have been run off. They may have got tired of hearing the preacher badmouth them every week. They might have got tired of the snooty attitudes of some of the Christians that was there. And they probably, you've probably, I've, I've heard people, plenty of people say this. I wouldn't go to another church if I had to. It's full of hypocr- hypocrites and, and, you know, half the people there telling me not to do what I'm doing is doing the same thing. And, and they just got the sorriest attitude about church they could ever have. But it's, it's a, there's a just reason why they have it. Unfortunately, that's the people God's laid on my heart. You know, the world, the word tells us that, that we should be a light to this dark and dying world. We should be the salt of the earth. And you can think about that in many different ways, but I'm going to tell you one thing about salt. There was a time that it was so valuable that they actually used it for money. 
Why? Because it was a preservative. Think about that for a minute. The salt is the only thing keeping this world going. If if the salt has lost its savor, what good is it? It's nothing. If if the church is not the salt, what good is it? That's the whole point behind the church is to just to claim everything it can for the kingdom of God until He returns. We've got to make sure we're being the salt. We've got to make sure that we're remembering the vision. 